Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bills. I'm your host, Matthew Fairburn. I cover the Buffalo Bills for NewYorkUpstate.com and Syracuse.com. And I am joined today by Ryan Talbot, who also covers the Bills for NewYorkUpstate.com and Syracuse.com. Ryan, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to to get this going. Uh, Ryan's been with us a few weeks doing a great job uh, covering the Bills for us. And we're going to try to bring you guys, you know, once or twice a week, have Ryan on and uh, dissect the upcoming opponents and, and things like that. And we've got a lot of, of season preview stuff this week uh, with the Bills having their first game against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday Uh, and you know we finally get to learn about this team and and learn you know what they really are after months of speculating months of off-season additions off-season losses injuries suspensions new contracts the whole thing we finally get to see what this team looks like on the field which is definitely exciting so on this show we'll kind of get into some of that season preview stuff what do we think the Bills' record, you know, will be? Do they have a chance to to end the playoff drought? What do they have to do to get to the playoffs? And you know, what what are their chances of of beating the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore in Week One? And then, of course, we'll get to some listener questions, which you can always send in on Twitter. You can find me at Matthew Fairburn. Find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Talbot Bills. Uh, and read all of our stuff all the time at newyorkupstate.com. But let's get right into it because this morning, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and Wednesday morning, Ryan and I released sort of our joint game-by-game predictions for the Bills, and we differed in a few spots, which is not surprising. I think opinions on this Bills team are kind of all over the board, Uh, and uh, you know, I had the Bills finishing with a seven and nine record, uh, and Ryan has them finishing with a ten and six record. So I guess to start, um, Ryan, tell the listeners uh, why you are optimistic. I think you were more of a more of a fan favorite today than I was. Uh, so you know, tell the listeners why why you're optimistic and why you're hopeful that this team uh, can get to ten wins this year. You know, maybe I was a little too. Uh too optimistic when I looked back on it, but I I really think that the bills do have an opportunity to start hot this year. Uh, This Ravens team was probably the hardest game to predict because they had so many injuries last year that it's really hard to get a pulse uh, of what this team is going to look like on the field when the bills play them. But I I do think the bills have the talent to match up with the Ravens uh, and the defense looked promising in the preseason. You're going to, you're going to get Kyle Williams back in the mix there. So in week one, they can start hot there week two. They seem to have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's number. So those first two games, if they start hot there, the Arizona game is a tough one, but then in week four, they get Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that they can start hot in those first four games 
they're going to hit a really rough patch in the middle of the season, close to their bye week. But even at the end of the year, they have a three-game stretch against the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Jets that are all winnable games. So maybe I'm giving this team too much credit. But when I looked at it, I said, you know, these are at least winnable games in, in a lot of the scenarios. Yeah, that and that's really the case, I, I think, with the NFL when you when you look at it. I think so many teams are sitting in that six and ten to ten and six window where, you know, a few things break their way and things could happen. It's funny you say, you know, the the opening part of the schedule is, you know, there are winnable games uh, in those first four for the Bills and you know, they could come out of that three and one. Uh but you could also envision scenarios where things snowball on them and, and they start 0-4 uh, because they do have one of the toughest schedules in the league, I think, for the first nine weeks of the season. But I, I do think that this game on Sunday against Baltimore is a winnable one. And I think, like I said, we're going to learn a lot about this team because uh, the defense did look good in the preseason. Uh, despite everybody that they've lost, I think the defense is looking pretty good. Uh, and I think maybe the scheme is starting to to click with some of these players, and they have a ton of talent on offense. That that's what keeps me somewhat optimistic. I know I picked them to win seven games, uh, but really the margin between seven wins and nine wins in this league is is very small. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many of these games that it's going to be, you know, who's hot heading into that game or who's healthier heading into a game. And and right now this game against the Ravens, I think we'll learn a lot because if they win this game. I'm with you in week two. I think that's a win for the Bills at home on Thursday night, a night, you know, home game in prime time on national television against Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Rex Ryan absolutely owns Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I think that's one that they can definitely win. And I actually think they can beat the Cardinals in week three, which, you know, may seem a little bit crazy, but. You know, the, the Cardinals have to travel all the way across the country and, and they have to, you know, go up against this Rex Ryan defense. I'm not, you know, thinking that Carson Palmer is going to have quite the year he did a year ago. So, you know, maybe those first four weeks, I think that's when we're going to learn about this team because if they can beat the Patriots, I think that'll help them get some positive momentum going into what looks like a very tough stretch in the middle of that schedule uh, and especially as they head into the bye week uh, with some really tough games. Do you think that, uh, I guess, are you more optimistic about the bills given their defensive improvement or do you think the offense is going to, going to have to carry this team a little bit? You know, maybe I'm most optimistic just because of the health of the offense. If you look at last year, I mean, they missed Tyrod Taylor for two games. LaShawn McCoy was banged up throughout the year. Uh, Sammy Watkins missed time. Charles Clay missed the final three games of the season. The offense actually looks very healthy. And as we've been saying, the defense looks improved. So if you can get a mix, I, I think there's going to be some games where the offense is going to have to um, show some firepower. But overall, you're going to need a, a pretty even mix, in my opinion, this year out of the Bills. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the offense is what makes people excited right now. I think obviously they need a better performance on defense. You, you can't, uh, you know, be near the bottom of the league in sacks uh, and near the bottom of the league in, in rush defense uh, and expect this offense to pick up the slack. I don't think you have an offense that's going to be, you know, one of the, the three best units in the league. You don't have uh, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady who's going to carry you, but at the same time, this offense is very good. It's very talented, and it's much healthier than it was 
at this time. Uh, you know, a year ago, LaShawn McCoy is healthy. Sammy Watkins is healthy, ready to go. And, hey, they actually have a quarterback, uh, you know, and Tyrod Taylor who got the entire offseason to work with this group. Uh, and I, I think that can't really be understated. I guess, you know, we're talking a lot of, of reasons to be optimistic. And I guess the, the things that held me back when I was making uh, some of these picks, and, again, I mean, we're making picks – you know, months in advance. So uh, odds are some of these will look silly at the end of the season, but this is a tough schedule. Uh, I think when you look at it, I mean, you got the Ravens, the Jets, the Cardinals, and the Patriots in the first month. Then they have to travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Uh, you know, the 49ers at home and the Dolphins on the road look like easy games, but then Tom Brady and the Patriots visit town in week eight. And then you have to travel to the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. What, to 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 me, that's a you know, there's a chance that they start under 500 significantly in those first nine weeks. I guess, what do you think the best case scenario is in those first nine weeks with such a gauntlet at, at the beginning of the season? You know, that, that's a great question. Uh, in the first nine weeks, you know, maybe they pull out at, at the very best case scenario. They can pull out six games there, but realistically, I think you should be happy if they're at five wins after that point. Um, again, they have those three games at the end of the year that are winnable, and like you said, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year. There's always injuries that occur to other teams as well. Some team could lose a franchise quarterback. Um, we've seen it happen last year with the Cowboys and how their season went down the tubes, so... It really could just come down to the health of the Bills versus the health of these other teams down the stretch. And you're right. Some of these games that we predicted we could look pretty foolish down the road. So there's just so many factors that weigh into these games. And it's almost one of those things where you do have to wait until a week before the game to see how the team's playing. If every if everyone's still giving 100%, which obviously wasn't the case last year when Mario Williams was on this team. So there's just so many factors that weigh in. It's really tough to determine what the best case scenario is, even after the first nine weeks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's one of those things. If they're five and four coming out of those first nine weeks, I think you're happy as a Bills fan. Uh, I think anything less than that, and they're they're fighting a little bit of an uphill battle. Uh, anything better than five and four, and you know, people around here are probably going to be planning the Super Bowl parade uh, if they have you know seven wins. Uh, or you know, six or seven wins. I think people are going to be pretty excited about that, and especially with you know how soft the schedule looks at the end of the year. But again, you know, like you said, injuries happen. Maybe some of these teams we think are good will end up not being so good, and some of the teams we think won't be good will end up being good. It's it's one of those things that's kind of hard to predict. But uh, I... okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of one million dollars. What color is the White House? Um, I know this, I know this, I know this. Um, five seconds. Oh, switching to Geico could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay. Judges? That's true, Kevin. They'll allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. I guess what we can predict is what the bills can control. And I guess give me your, you know, if you were to build a blueprint for how the Bills get into the playoffs, give me your top three things that need to happen for this team 
to to get over the hump and end this 16-year drought? Well, again, the first step has to be health. Um, it, it seems like every year they, they lose player after player. And I mean, right now, they're, Marcel Darius is due to suspension, but he's out for four weeks. Shaq Lawson, we really don't even have an exact pinpointed date on when he's going to be back. So Reggie Ragland's gone for the year. They've already had some tough losses, but if they can stay healthy on offense especially, um, they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball that can keep the team in games. Two, you need to see Tyrod Taylor take that next step as a quarterback. He he was a fine um, game manager at times last year, but he struggled when they needed that fourth quarter comeback. Um, he didn't really throw much over the middle of the field, and a lot of that was the way Greg Roman planned it. He wanted uh, safer throws for the quarterback, but Tyrod Taylor needs to take that next step, and that doesn't mean he has has to throw 30, 35 touchdowns, but he needs to have a willingness to throw over the middle to to go through his progressions a little bit more. Um, and, and target Sammy Watkins probably about 10 times a game. I mean, that's your, that's your meal ticket on offense. He's your number one guy by far in terms of a weapon. So that's probably number two. And, and then number three, they need to improve that defense. The run defense needs to, to improve, which... I'm very optimistic about that based on the play of Adolphus Washington, who they drafted in the third round. I think Corbin Bryant uh, showed last year that he can be a very uh, can be a quality um, backup or that can come in and, and be a spot starter of sorts. Kyle Williams has obviously a career track record in that regard, and even Jarrell Worthy had a very nice camp in preseason. So I'm encouraged by the way the roster looks up front this year. Um, and if they can stop the run a little bit better than they did last year, I think the overall defense will improve. And I really think you'll even see more pressure from uh, Jerry Hughes this year since he'll be lining up in Mario Williams' spot. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are, are three huge, huge keys for this team to to bounce back. To me, I, I think I put a ton of importance into Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy this year kind of ties into staying healthy because ultimately, uh, you know, I think every team in the NFL, if you ask them what they need to do to make the playoffs, they're probably going to say they need to stay healthy. And a lot of times the last teams standing, you know, in the playoffs are the teams that manage to stay the healthiest. But to me, it, Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy are just such big pieces on this offense. And if they go down, the Bills don't really have secondary options to go to I mean the drop off from LaShawn McCoy is to Reggie Bush and the drop off from Sammy Watkins is to Robert Woods no slight to Woods or Bush but they're they're not you know Watkins and McCoy so I want to see Sammy Watkins become the receiver they wanted him to be uh, when they drafted him number four overall we've seen it in in spurts I think uh, and in stretches of games uh, especially towards the end of the year last year he was awesome he was the the best player on the field for the Bills. Let's see him put it together for 16 games and and put up that 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown season that that the Bills have been waiting for. And let's see LaShawn McCoy perform like the running back that they gave all that money to. Again, injuries held him back. But he's a guy that, you know, is is supposed to be, uh, you know, a bell cow. And now he doesn't really have a choice. He kind of has to be uh, a bell cow in this offense with Carlos Williams out of town. Uh, I think McCoy needs to prove he can handle the workload and that he can get back to the production he had a few years ago because he'll be the first to admit that that you know his production a year ago wasn't good enough. 
Um, and I think something I've, I've written down that I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about this team making the playoffs, uh, I think this is going to have to be a great coaching job by Rex Ryan. Uh, you look at the tough schedule, they're going to need to win some really tough games on the road if they're going to have a good enough record. They need to be more disciplined than they were a year ago, and I'm not just talking about the crazy amount of penalties they had. I'm talking about staying focused within games. I think this team came completely unraveled after they lost to the Patriots in Week 2 last year, and they never got quite right after that. They can't have a loss like that bury their season like it did a year ago. I, I think that falls on coaching. Uh, and obviously players make plays and, and ultimately it might, it, it will fall on them if, if they fail to make the playoffs. But let me ask you this. Do you think, and there, this has been, you know, basically the hot debate all off season and it got brought up in the locker room again today. Is this a playoffs or bust year for the bills? And is it a playoffs or bust year for Rex Ryan? And I'm, I'm not talking about the ultimatum, which ended up being, you know, which didn't exist from the Pagulas in the offseason. But if the Bills don't make the playoffs, should Rex Ryan be shown the door? Boy, that's a very difficult question. Um, just again, because I, I almost think he has some excuses already built in. The, the Marcel Darius suspension over the first four weeks. The I lost my first two of my top two draft picks for – um, possibly up to half the season for Shaq Lawson and the entire season for Reggie Ragland. So he, he has some built-in excuses in place. But at the same time, if, if this team isn't playing for him at the end of the year, then, yeah, he needs to be shown the door because you can only give so many rah-rah speeches. You can only boast so many times before it starts to fall in deaf ears, not just to the to the media and to the fans, but also to the players. I mean, all of a sudden they'll start tuning him out if they're not producing on the field. And I will say that I do like some of the coaching moves they made this off season. I know Rob Ryan is an easy punchline, but he's not coming in to be the defensive coordinator. He's coming in to help with the terminology to help players in terms of where they need to be. And I think that's definitely a job that he's capable of in terms of explaining the defense and really breaking it down. Ed Reed, um, you know, it, it's hard to say that he's going to have a huge impact as his first year as a coach in this league. But the you you heard after they hired him how much the players were in awe of him when he was when he was an active player, when he was on the field. So he's a the guy they're going to listen to. He's a guy that can probably break down film better than any defensive player on this roster. So that's going to help too. So I do think that Rex Ryan really um, needs to show, I, I can't even say improvement in terms of a record, but he needs to show that at the end of the year, this team's fighting for him and that even, uh, and even the games that they lose, they need to be kind of closely contested. You can't have any kind of huge blowouts, especially um, a, a few of those types of games in this season. Yeah, it, it's such an interesting question to me because the ultimatum never made any sense uh, in the offseason, you know, because like you said, it's it's not black or white necessarily, uh, especially when you think about, um, you know, whether this team uh, is going to, you know, improve on its record and things like that. I think, you know, to me, it, it's not about that. It's about a lot more than that. And uh, you know, it's about, like you said, whether this team is fighting for him, how does, you know, 
how does the eight and eight record look if it is an eight and eight record that they finish with or a seven and nine record? I just find it to be a very interesting conversation because, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to, to watching that Rex and Rob reunited uh, production that the, the team is putting out on MSG because you, you get a little bit more of a, a behind the scenes look, but talking to players today, you know, there's obviously a playoffs or bust mentality within the locker room, which I think that's pretty common, especially for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 16 years. It seems like every year is playoffs or bust, but it was interesting to hear it, you know, come out of Richie Incognito's mouth and Preston Brown's mouth because those are guys who are leaders on their respective sides of the ball and a playoffs or bust mentality doesn't just come out of thin air. I think it's coming from somewhere. The question is, what is bust? Uh, and is bust Rex Ryan losing his job if they don't make the playoffs? It's funny because on a conference call today with Baltimore reporters, Rex Ryan said, uh, you know, he said he doesn't believe it, it, that he'll be out of a job if they miss the playoffs. He doesn't think that's the case. And that's not necessarily the answer I'd want him to have. You know, I, I don't, I like the idea of him being on, on the hot seat and coaching for his job. I think that's something the team can rally around. And I think it's, something that you know maybe will give Rex Ryan a little bit of accountability heading into this season. Like you said, he has a lot of built-in excuses, but if I'm the owner of this football team or I'm a fan of this football team, I don't want him using those excuses. I, like I said, this is going to need to be a very good coaching job for Rex Ryan to get the Bills to the playoffs, but didn't you hire him because you thought he was a very good coach to begin with? Uh, you know, Shouldn't he be able to take a team that that has suffered some losses uh, and get them where they need to be. Some of those losses, you know, those guys weren't here last year, and he uh, he thought this team was going to be, you know, number one in defense and a playoff contender and everything else. So uh, in a different world, um, in a different city, maybe he wouldn't be under as much pressure as he is, but I think that the pressure is, uh, is warranted, and I, I think uh, – I'm looking forward to see how seeing how Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan coach under that pressure because whether they admit it publicly or not, I think they feel it, even if it's not from ownership because, let's face it, Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, they care about their public image. Uh, you can tell every time you know they talk to Sports Illustrated or even talk to the local media, they care about how they're perceived. They, they're aware of how they're perceived uh, and how their family is perceived. And they want to they want to rectify that this year, and I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see whether they can do that. Yeah, I, I agree completely, I, and I like what you said there. Um, you know, I almost the way that Rex Ryan said that in the conference call today, you don't want him to be comfortable in going into this season, and hopefully, he was just uh, projecting that, projecting the confidence to the media, and that's not how he really feels because. If he if he does feel oh, I'm not on the hot seat I don't have anything to worry about well then is he really coaching you know if it's going to be a different level of coaching than when you're coaching for your job I, in my opinion the intensity the work you might put into it um, so if he really is saying you know hey my job's safe well you're right that's not what you want to hear out of your head coach no and I think it comes down to you don't want Rex Ryan to become the Jeff Fisher in that. He's Jeff Fisher is so much better at keeping his job than he is at doing his job. Uh, you know, he's a perpetual eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven coach. 
and yet he still has a job. I mean, Rex Ryan has missed the playoffs now in five straight seasons of coaching, and he's going on his sixth. Usually, if you've missed the playoffs in five straight seasons of coaching, you're not coaching anymore. And so you don't want him to become that guy that is so good at keeping his job and so good at, uh, you know, using the excuses that are available to him that the results never show up. Uh, and I think Rex does feel the pressure, whether he admits it or not. I, I think uh, he's coaching that way and he's relaying that to the team. Uh, and let's face it, this guy wants to win. Uh, this the, the, Him and his brother hate how they're perceived. They hate that, you know, people think they're not as bright defensively as they used to be. They hate that people think Rob, Rob Ryan was a garbage coordinator. They, they hate all of those perceptions. And the only way to change them, I think Rex is realizing this, isn't by talking. It's by actually, you know, getting the results on the field. We'll see if it happens this year, but uh, it's definitely going to be a fun one to follow because this is uh, in so many ways a make or break year for Rex Ryan and, and really the legacy of the Ryan family. Um, we'll focus it real quick on, on this game against the Ravens. Uh, and this is a, a challenging opening game. Uh, a lot of connections between the Bills and Ravens. You know, the Ravens passed over Rex Ryan for their head coaching job once upon a time. They kept Tyrod Taylor on the bench for four years um, behind Joe Flacco. Ed Reed is coaching his first NFL game on Sunday against the team that he played this Hall of Fame career for. Uh, and, you know, oh, by the way, these are two teams that could be, you know, competing for wildcard spot at the end of the year. So uh, this is as, as big as a game can get really early on in the season without it being a division game. So uh, what are some of the areas, and, and this ties into some of the questions we got, but what are some of the areas you think the Bills have the advantage uh, and maybe some of the areas that, that they're uh, a little bit uh, at a disadvantage to the Ravens. You know, one matchup that I really love for the Bills is Jerry Hughes versus Rick Wagner. Uh, Wagner had a really good 2014 season, but he fell off last year. He really struggled. And again, Jerry Hughes against these right tackles, most of these guys aren't athletic enough to to block him. And I think he can be a disruptive force all game. And if the Bills can create that pressure, they can force some turnovers, uh, and, and that's going to give them a realistic shot of winning the game. Uh, in, in terms of what I'm worried about, they, the Ravens have a lot of weapons at wide receiver. You know, Maybe they're not superstars anymore, but Steve Smith is, is still uh, – I love Steve Smith as a player. He's so fun to watch. Uh, it almost feels like he doesn't age when you watch him on the field. He doesn't play like, uh, I think he's 37, a 37-year-old by any means. Uh, they have Mike Wallace, who's a one-trick pony. He he can run the deep route. He's very fast. But then you have Kamar Aiken, who really came on with all the injuries last year. You have Brashad Perriman, who's finally going to hit the field. So who knows what you're getting out of them? They they have four guys who who could do some damage to the Bills. And we know how great they're the Buffalo's top two cornerbacks are, obviously. But Nick Nickel Roby didn't have that that great of a year, Nicole Roby Coleman, that is. I didn't have that great of a season one year ago, so I really want to see him step up. And, and, I, and I do like what we've seen from Kevon Seymour and Corey White in the preseason, but will that carry over into the regular season if needed? Yeah, that, that's a huge question, and I, I think I'm glad you brought it up because I, I think people overlook it sometimes that the Bills have these two-star cornerbacks 
uh, in Stephon Gilmore and Ronald Darby, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a team's not going to be able to pass the ball on the Bills. And the, the Ravens' passing offense presents a really interesting matchup for the Bills' defense in general because Joe Flacco does get rid of the ball quickly. He doesn't get sacked very often. Uh, and, you know, Mark Tressman has a pretty interesting scheme in, in terms of getting guys open and, like I said, getting the ball out of Flacco's hands quickly. So I asked Rex about that today. You know, how do you balance uh, you know, getting after Joe Flacco, but also recognizing that the ball is going to come out so quick that maybe you can't get there to begin with because it seemed like every week last year we were asking Rex that very same question and the results were all over the board, often not in the Bills' favor when they were playing against those quarterbacks that could get the ball out of their hand quickly. You look at the quarterbacks they had success against, you know, a guy like Andrew Luck and the Colts, they rely on that deep passing game. Uh, Eli Manning to some extent, although, you know, that was more of a, an effort of, of the Bills' corners shutting down Odell Beckham. But look at a game against Andy Dalton, the game earlier in the year against Tom Brady. Those guys that got the ball out quickly, you know, the Bills almost couldn't decide whether they wanted to blitz or whether they wanted to play tight coverage. I think they might have a similar dilemma against Joe Flacco. And you brought up Steve Smith. I mean, he, he's a 37-year-old coming off a ruptured Achilles and yet you know and he's what five all of five eight five nine and the Bills are still worried about him in some ways you know I, I mean he's still a guy that you have to respect because he's such a crazy competitor uh, and Joe Flacco said today he thinks he could play five more years if he wanted to because he's he's just that good uh, and he's still got it so that offense provides a very interesting matchup and, and a lot of this game could end up coming down to uh, you know, how the, the Ravens offensive line, which is young, holds up to, uh, you know, the Bills pass, pass rush and Rex Ryan scheme. I think offensively, the Bills have, have some pretty good matchups on that side of the ball. They've, they've got, you know, Sammy Watkins uh, up against Jimmy Smith. I like Sammy Watkins in that matchup. And I, I think, you know, overall, the Bills should be able to move the ball. Uh, maybe the run defense will give them some trouble. Uh, you know, Brandon Williams is a great defensive tackle, uh, one of the best in the league, and the Ravens have one of the best run defenses in the league a year ago. So um, some interesting matchups all over the board. Uh, I think going on the road, going to be very tough for this team. I, I think they'll come out on the wrong end of this one, but I do think uh, they have a very, very good chance to win the game. I think there's a reason it's a three-point sp spread right now in Vegas. It's it's one of those coin flip games, but um, one that they could very easily win. We'll get into a couple listener questions here. Um, I'll try to pick out some of the best ones here. Um, we already got into the matchup we're most looking forward to watch on Sunday and where the Bills match up well. Here's a, one from Nick Rizzo. He asked, do you think Rex is still going to be terrible at challenges and clock management, et cetera? Yeah, uh, that, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, clock management last year was a mess, and there were definitely times where the Bills made challenges that they shouldn't have made, and there were times where Rex Ryan held on to the red flag where he should have challenged. Um, I, I would like to think that when it comes to the challenges, that's going to improve in the second year. I'm, I'm hoping they figured out a better system in terms of communicating from upstairs that that's a play that you need to challenge and that's a play that you better keep that flag in your pocket. 
Uh, in, in terms of the clock management, I, I don't want to bail Rex Ryan out, but it, it feels like every time I watch a, a football game, whether it's college or professional, there's one coach in the game that that looks foolish by the end of it in terms of their clock management decisions. They they burn timeouts early in the third quarter, um, or they they don't play the clock correctly in terms of running the the timeout on the game that they could have. So. It, it's not that Rex Ryan hasn't been bad in terms of clock management. I just feel like a lot of coaches on a weekly basis um, butcher that area. Yeah, definitely. I, I think any one of us, if we were sitting there having to make those decisions, would probably screw up quite a few. Uh, and Rex Ryan has screwed up more than his fair share. Uh, I think on some level there's a responsibility that maybe he should delegate uh, a little bit more when it comes to that type of stuff. But it's it's tough to say he's going he's going to get any better. Uh, I mean, at this point, isn't he? He is who he is. He's going to make mistakes. I think a lot of coaches make mistakes. Even Bill Belichick, from time to time, slips up in that area. So there are definitely teams that are better than others. But to me, that's not an area I would expect Rex Ryan to have massive improvement because, uh, you know, like I said, he is who he is. He's not necessarily the most organized uh, coach in the league, and uh, you know, he he makes some not so great decisions. I, I don't know at some, some of that's luck. I think you, you know, you get put in these tough situations and some of it is preparation. Uh, certainly Bill's fans would like to see him get better, but I'm, I'm not convinced uh, that we're going to see that happen. Another question from Phil, pretty interesting. He said the Pats are ESPN's top pick to be in the Super Bowl. Do you agree? Well, when you look at the AFC, it's tough not to choose the Patriots, even with that four-game suspension. Um, what's going to go on in the AFC North? You know, maybe the Steelers, by the end of the year, if everyone's healthy, if no one's suspended there, they have probably enough talent to compete. Um, AFC South just seems wide open to me. I, I don't trust the Colts enough to be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, the Texans have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but I don't know what they'll get out of Osweiler. Uh, the Jaguars are an up and coming team. So not that I think they're a Super Bowl contender by any means this year, but I do think they'll be competing sooner rather than later. And then in the West, what, I don't trust the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl. Um, the Raiders, again, a young team, a lot of talent, but not this year. And the Broncos, it, it's going to come down to quarterback play again. So when when I look at the AFC, yeah, I mean, the Patriots are the obvious answer for being the, the team that's going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're always the favorite, and they're the favorite for a reason, uh, you know. And and they're a a team that even without Tom Brady has a very good chance. You know, Tom Brady's not suspended for the playoffs, and the Patriots are probably going to make the playoffs. So, uh, I think they have a very good chance, especially with the Broncos losing Peyton Manning. Uh, I I think the Bengals have have a shot uh, to make a run, um, but there's not a ton of teams you can sit and point to and say, yeah, they're the favorite over the Patriots. Does that mean the Patriots will be sitting there uh, as AFC champions? Maybe not, but, you know, to pit, to say anybody else is the favorite, I mean, the Patriots have kind of earned that right, uh, like it or not. Last question here from Bills 32 Who would you say has the most outspoken personality in the locker room? You know, that's probably one that you you would know a little bit better since you're in there more often. But 
um, most outgoing in the locker room. That that's that's interesting because when when I think of that, I, I think of guys. Believe it or not, like a, a Brandon Spikes who's returning. They they praised his leadership in 2014 when he was with the team so i could really see him being a locker room leader um i i think these veterans like kyle williams and even a Corey graham they might not be the rah-rah yelling type but they're very wise they're very they're they've been in the league for a long time so people listen when they talk too so you know those are some guys that i would i would pinpoint yeah brandon spikes is definitely one of the most interesting people to talk to period that I've ever talked to Bill's locker room or anywhere else in my life he's a very very interesting guy and a very outspoken guy I mean he Preston Brown told me he was Brandon Spikes was starting you know presidential debates in the in the huddle uh during training camp you know asking people who they were voting for and things like that he's just a very big personality in that way LaShawn McCoy uh is is definitely that way uh, and that he's he's not afraid to to talk to teammates and, and get people going and, and move around the locker room. I think maybe the the most honest guy in the locker room is Sammy Watkins, uh, and people probably know that from last year. Um, you know the Instagram post and him asking for ten targets a game, uh, but it's almost tough to pinpoint because there's so many. Uh, Rex Ryan's brought in a lot of guys, and he's cultivated um you know this this environment in which guys can speak their mind and they can be outspoken so we get to see actually who these guys really are which which definitely makes um you know covering this team more interesting and i'm sure it makes following the team a lot more interesting as well that's it for the questions this week uh i think we'll probably try to you know wrap up the the bills game against the ravens at some point next week with ryan as well uh, and continue to preview this um, reminder that you can follow the show by subscribing on audioboom.com and searching locked on bills you can also find us on itunes by searching locked on bills as well uh, want to thank ryan once again for coming on it was great to have him here and uh, hopefully we can can catch up with you again soon that sounds great all right until then we'll talk to you next time everybody